This is Lindsay Swoboda, and you're listening to the Choosing Brave podcast. Dreams change. What happens next? May these stories and honest conversations shed light on times where we feel uncertain and explore what it means to show up to our lives and choose brave. Erin is a writer and editor based in Chicago who loves connecting with other moms through storytelling. As the mom of one strong-willed preschooler, she believes the secret to motherhood is leaning into grace. When she's not chasing stories or her preschooler, Erin writes Nourish, a newsletter to help you be kinder to yourself and others. Find her on Instagram at Erin Stribus. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm thrilled to be here. I am just so grateful to have you on so that we can share a topic we're both very passionate about, and that topic is rest. So this is a little different from some of the other episodes I've recorded where I interview someone and I'm mainly listening to the story. Erin and I worked on this topic together and we were fortunate to give it as a girl's day in with our Exhale Creativity group at the start of 2021 on resting to reignite our creativity. However, today for these listeners, for you guys on the Choosing Brave podcast, we want to put a new spin on this topic. But first, before we dive into all the meat and potatoes of this, Erin, let's be sure we share a little bit about Exhale itself. Yeah, absolutely. Exhale is an online community of mom creators led by the women who created the Coffee and Crumbs motherhood blog. And it's one of my favorite places on the internet um, for encouragement and inspiration as I write in mother. We also want you guys to know as listeners that while this isn't strictly a Christian podcast, both Erin and I are women of faith and we will be referencing some faith-based material today. So just a heads up on that. Now, normally I save this for the last part of the conversation, but I felt like we developed a very good flow with our ending out of our speak on rest today. So we're going to do just our lightning round right now. So let's surprise you first. What is your favorite place in your house right now? Oh gosh, that's a good one. I would say uh, we have this orange chair that's next to our bookshelf and there's a little lamp there. I call that my reading and writing nook. And in the mornings, if I'm quick enough to get up before my son and do a little devotional or reading some poetry, which I like to do before I write, and then some morning uh, journaling or working on a writing assignment, that is where I do it. And that chair is so cozy. It faces our bay windows. And so you get this beautiful um, sunlight coming in when we sit there. I love that question. Are you ready for your question, Lindsay? I am. Okay. Uh, Do you have a hidden talent? And if so, what is it? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't know if I have a hidden talent. I mean, I feel like I would have used, like I can tap dance, but I feel like maybe people would know that because I was like a musical theater major, but maybe you guys don't know that. So I can tap dance. I can shuffle off to Buffalo. I can flap. I can do all of those things still. And my daughter really loves um, doing that and has been asking me actually to learn tap for a while. And I'm a little bit like, oh, I already teach you all the things. Um, being a homeschooler, but maybe that's just something we'll start doing in the garage. Could be really fun. I I think that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I also can do a mad jazz hand. Well, let's jump into our topic today. This podcast is all about embracing change and I have needed to change how I rest in my daily life and embracing what rest looks like given the season I am in. Now it's a continuous process for me guys, and I'm pretty terrible at it, but I'm trying to get 
better. So I think Aaron and I would both say we are not experts on this. We are people that are passionate about it because it's hard for us to do. We want to start this off with the tough part about what happens before rest takes place. And I want you to break down burnout for us. Yeah, absolutely. I relate to that so much. Lindsay rest is a continual process for me. Um, I, I constantly need reminders. I grew up in a household that idolized productivity. I love my parents dearly, but they worked a lot. And so some, somewhere along the line, I had come to believe that I needed to prove my worth by you know, working, just working all the time. I was working full-time as an editor and juggling outside freelance work. And there were two serious family illnesses that happened in this period of two years. My personal life kind of felt like it was spiraling out of control. So one of the ways I coped, which seems odd, but it's just me, um, I was kind of piling on more and more work. My, my, my freelance career was sort of taking off at the time and, and the deadlines and the articles were something that I could control. So I kind of leaned into that. It's a dream I always wanted, but there was a lot of personal hurt and ache that was going on, seeing my loved ones go through some challenging um, situations that I just, I, I could support them in only so many ways. And so somehow I was choosing work as a means of coping. So to get to burnout, it's summer 2019, my dad's fighting cancer. And I had this, like, I just deadlines upon deadlines and this creeping fear underneath all of it. Um, very worried about my dad, but also that um, I couldn't manage anymore. Like I couldn't go at the pace I was going anymore. I felt like I was on the verge of breaking down. And in fact, I was working on an article about burnout for moms uh, for this publication I freelance for regularly when I realized as I was like writing it, I am the ideal audience for this piece. I need to make a change. <laughs> it's just, it's a very uh, come to Jesus moment, if you will. So I first became familiar with burnout, the term from a piece written by the journalist Anne Helen Peterson. It came out in 2019 and it was about millennial burnout in particular. So the millennial generation, like in your thirties um, ish. So burnout takes things that should be enjoyable and flattens them into a list of tasks intermingled with other obligations that should be easily or dutifully completed is something that Anne Helen Peterson said in this article that went viral. You might've seen it. Um, but the more research I did on the term burnout, I discovered that it was first coined by a psychologist, Herbert Freudenberger, and it's really physical or mental collapse caused by overwork or stress. And that was me. That was me in a nutshell. The things that I really enjoyed because of just the family stress, because of the work stress, everything was piling on top of each other. Plus I had a little one at home. And so I had reached the brink, I had reached burnout. And I think that so many women and men right now, after this time of pandemic, we've all had different challenging work and family situations. Many of us might be feeling like we're on the brink or we're already in burnout. Um, we're hitting walls with mental health. And I think it's really important to acknowledge before we can get to the solution or means of coping with burnout, where we're at. Yes. I love that you shared that Aaron, and your story. I think so many people are going to relate to that. And I feel like that's where we want to be with you guys at today is just be here with you and tell you it's, it's okay if this is where you're at. So my experience with burnout is I read the piece this August, 2020 in medium. You guys have probably also seen this because it was circulating across all platforms that your surge capacity is depleted. It's why you feel awful. 
And the author of this article quoted Ann Mastin, a psychologist and professor of child development at the University of Minnesota. And she defined surge capacity as a collection of adaptive systems, mental and physical, that humans draw on for short-term survival in acutely stressful situations, such as natural disasters. But natural disasters occur over a short period, even if recovery is long. Pandemics are different. The disaster itself stretches out indefinitely. And when I think about this past year, I feel like things fell apart for me in around the end of September, 2019, because as you guys know on this podcast, or if you're just listening for the first time, I'll give it in a very quick nutshell. My family was living in Ecuador. Ecuador had a fuel riot crisis. Things were very intense. As an American family there, we were trying to figure out if we were going to be evacuated or not. My daughter and I were already sort of in a quarantine because we couldn't go out into daily life for a while. And then kind of towards the end of that process, the hill next to our housing caught on fire, which did evacuate families over to the embassy or to subsequent houses to live until that was managed. At the end of all of that, I found I was pregnant with a blood clot. I moved to America, a pandemic began. So I feel like I kept trying to pull from things that I had experienced in the past, right? And my adrenaline was high to get through those other things. And then it just kept feeling like the wind was knocked out of our sails. The wind is knocked out of our sails. What do we do? That also made me really curious. I'm a learner by nature to study Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Military families, especially are given this as a tool to look at. So if you guys haven't seen that, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but it's a little pyramid that pretty much just says, if our basic needs are not being met, it's really hard to do much else. So if you have been struggling financially this year, if you have been struggling with childcare and jobs and finding food and, or right, my family, I have family in Texas that just endured all of what happened with the winter storm. Um, you are probably knocked back down that pyramid and trying to do a higher level of work or have a higher level of functioning for yourself may not be obtainable. However, Aaron and I have hope for you today, but before we kind of share what rest looks like for us, I do want to note both of our physical burnout signs. And for me, I notice that my left eye twitches. My husband actually calls me Scrat, the squirrel from Ice Age, because whenever we go into a move, which we've done cross the world moves together. Um, my eye, I'll be like, I'm fine. And then my eye will twitch for weeks and weeks. And I will tell you from normally then we move and I'm settled and it's done. My eye has twitched all of 2020. It is still, it's still twitching in 2021. So I know, right. Physically I have to pay attention to that. And I also tend to be a martyr in my house where I will do things until I am dead bones, tired. I won't tell anyone I need help. And then I'll just lash out or I'll just, you'll notice I'm done because the family won't have any food to eat. Cause I'll just be like, it's over peanut butter and jellies for all done. Aaron, I know that you have some physical burnout signs too. What do those look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, before I jump into what mine are, I do want to say that everyone's body is different, but if you found that you had some weird symptoms manifesting in you during this pandemic, you are not alone. And um, I know overtiredness is just like kind of a general consensus in some of the psychology articles I researched before coming to this conversation again. Um, but for me, 
one clear sign. And I, I want to share the story I, about burnout from before. I, I had some symptoms of it again during this pandemic. I think we all did. But so my clear sign, like between the two time periods, I have so much trouble with my skin when I'm under a lot of stress. It just, that is where some of the, um, I don't know, the stress manifests and it's like breakout city. I'm like, am I a teenager again? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm miserable. And then on top of it, I've got bad skin, but that is like a cue to me, like, well, what's going on here? Um, why is this happening? So that kind of helps me be aware that, okay, have I been under a lot of stress, stress or pressure uh, lately? And then I just, I mean, I'm short with my family. It definitely comes out in my lack of patience. I tend to be pretty patient on a baseline, but obviously this year, I mean, so many things were out of our control. And so even the small things that maybe in a day in 2019 wouldn't have made as big of a difference um, was a challenge. There were times in 2019, earlier in the year during part of my story when I was just I was having like mom rage moments can anyone relate to that like just full out mom rage like just where like I felt really really angry and I felt kind of guilty about it and wasn't necessarily taken out of my kids but there just was like kind of simmering inside me I can totally relate to that and I do believe I think the process I'm working in now And I've been thinking about this a lot this past couple months, because I now have a seven month old and he is sleeping a little bit better, knock on all the wood and throw like salt over my shoulder right now. Cause the second you say it, it'll be whatever it is this week. I've realized I have a lot of self-awareness. And if you guys are out there and that's new for you, that's great to develop the self-awareness. And then we can compile that. We can kind of take some notes on ourselves and be aware of what's happening, but it takes a while before you're ready to make a change. So whatever we're just discussing with you guys in this form of rest and what that means, you're not going to be able to do it all in one grand sweep. These are going to have to be little things that you just start to try to apply in hopes that then you can kind of take note of what's making it better. So, or maybe not better, but just helping you cope. I always like that before I went into labor, our birth assistant told us there's a difference between coping and suffering. And what I see right now is I just feel like I have a lot of friends that are suffering. We're no longer coping anymore. So let's hope that this can be a bomb to your spirit to kind of think about how can I get myself back to coping again, or just finding some new mechanisms for that. And neither of us are therapists. Okay, guys, these are just things that we are trying to apply to our own lives. So Aaron, can we define what, what we believe is rest, real rest? I have a few different things I want to share. And I also have a story too, but I want to start with like the definition of rest. And then maybe we can get to that story at some point. So First, I really was thinking when I was coming to this conversation, I was thinking about how do we define rest? Because it looks different for so many people. I feel that it's freedom from work. So it's the opposite of anything we do that we might describe as work. Um, And that looks different for every person in their context, whether you're um, mothering and that's your main gig or you work in an office, um, whatever it is that is kind of even community volunteering work. So rest is the opposite of that, right? And it's not just a pause. It's something that gives your spirit a sense of peace and stillness. And so because I'm a person of faith, I also approach rest from a theological um, framework. So I believe for all humans that God meant for us to rest on the seventh day of creation, God rested. 
And I believe because we're made in God's image, we need to rest too. So it's just, I see it as an innate um, need of humans, right? We talked about the hierarchy of needs and it, just as we need purpose in the sense of um, fulfilling work in our lives, we also need rest to balance it out. So I would say rest is truly cultivating peace of mind through stillness. That to me is kind of the baseline definition, but I think it looks very different for everyone. And if you're someone who comes from um, the U.S. just in general, because we have a culture of overwork and we kind of glorify work so much so that we will ask each other, what do you do? Like an early on in a conversation that is not the same in other cultures. And so because this work tends to be glorified and maybe it doesn't need to be, I would argue it doesn't, um, rest can be really uncomfortable when we actually engage in true rest. And we might find that that stillness, it just, it's, it's tough to abide in it because we might have some feelings that are coming up um, that we haven't dealt with in a while, or we don't, we feel guilty about rest, which I've definitely had that feeling. I don't know about you, Lindsay. Yeah. I love all of that. And I definitely think it's how we fuel that time as opposed to how we're filling it. Because sometimes I think in earlier moments of my life, my rest period looked like I have all these crafts I want to do, or I have this essay one write, or I have um, a workout I want to do, or I want to go for a walk. And it'd be like, I just fill the hour um, that I may have. And I'm getting a lot better. I just mentioned this on another episode, but I don't know when these will line up that I, my son is taking two naps a day during the second nap. I don't do anything. And this is a huge step for me as a second time around mom with two kids. I sit down and I have my daughter go listen to an audiobook. So both of their doors are closed. My door is like, I'm just sitting in a chair and I feel like that has taken me a really long time to get there. So I guess that will help me lead into this next part that we want to talk about why of why we can't rest, right? Like for rest to do the work we need it to do in our lives, we have to peel away these layers of why we don't allow ourselves to do it. And I know for my own self, kind of what Aaron, you were saying about being an American in general and how we prioritize, like how hard you work, right? That is your value is in how hard you're working. Um, I saw this a lot with myself as a college student that I just believed like what being a good student meant versus maybe even being a good person. And I would say that now as a mom, sometimes I have this vision of what being a good mom is when really I just need to be a kind, like a kinder mom to myself in order to get through the day. The work at home, especially if you're home this year a lot, is that we are never done with the work. That really bothered me my first years of motherhood, that it's like I could never get to a point where I would go to bed and feel like the dishes had been washed, the laundry was away, the house was clean, I could come down and look and feel refreshed. There, I would just come down and berate myself of the thing I didn't get done the day before. So I think both of us have discussed this before that it's like, maybe do the thing that feels good. Like I clean, I try to clean the kitchen counter. I have a really obnoxious like town hall. I, I really love where I live, but it's not my favorite kitchen. And I can say that I feel as a military family, cause I see a bunch of kitchens and <laughs> throughout my lifetime, but it's like the galley kitchen that I stand in to cook. And there's like four squares of counter space and like one square right now has the dish rack on it. And then the other square like I try to move the appliances on and off of it anyway. So it's just like, I have this space to work with 
And if I come downstairs in the morning and it's cluttered, it really starts my day off badly. So if I do anything for myself the night before to, in order to have a better day, the next day, I clean off three of the four squares or like two of the four squares. But if there's a night that I really just need to rest and go to bed, I got to leave it. And I have to give myself permission to do that. Aaron, let's talk about, I mean, I feel like this kind of goes with expectation management of our clean homes, but I know you have a lot to say on that too, as well as our commitments. Can you take us into those? Yeah. So we're talking about, right. What we, what kind of stops us from resting. And so I think Lindsay, you really, I mean, topped it off by just saying, you know, the layer upon layer of never ending to-do list for mom. And for me as a working mom, um, I, I sometimes feel, and maybe just all folks with a some sort of work commitment, you just feel like the task is never ending, right? I could even say that about my freelance career. You've always got one more newsletter to write or, you know, one more essay to pitch. It just never stops. And so we have to, I think, break free of that idea that the only thing that we're made to do as people is to be productivity machines. So I I do do just, we've got these beliefs about ourselves and, and work is really fulfilling. So for me, I think some of it is knowing that being a full and fully realized person isn't all about work. <laughs> and briefly, if I may, cause I didn't mention it earlier and I wanted to, I took a three month sabbatical from my work, which was the first time in my career that I had stepped away from work. Uh, I started working when I was 16 at like the pool as a lifeguard. And then right out of college, I started working. And so this three month sabbatical I took, which was the year 2019 when I was dealing with burnout, I took it that fall. That's actually when Lindsay and I met through exhale, but it was crazy. I was so upset because I wasn't working and I didn't, I was having all these feelings and I had like stopped my freelance commitments. Like everything had just come to a standstill and I felt like a little depressed, but I had slowed down enough that now like there, there wasn't all these distractions in front of me. And I was having to sit with some of my emotions with that past trauma with family illness my dad, I still didn't know if he was going to be okay. So there's just a lot of stuff going on in the sabbatical period of three months. I went to a Lutheran retreat that fall. They had zero cell phone service. It was an entire week off the grid and a week of worship, a week of hiking, beautiful mountains. I come from Chicago. So this is just a completely different, the Pacific Northwest I'm in love with. So if you're from uh, the Pacific Northwest, I just, I adore where you live. This, this time in nature and the space away from just the, the hustle and the doing, I mean, it just, it was amazing. And then I was like, this is not, this is part of what life is, just being present and soaking up the beauty of this gift of life, right? Um, but so sometimes we're just so into the hustle mode that we don't see that. So that was just a lesson from some time away that I've taken with me, this act of paying attention that Mary Oliver talks a lot about in her poetry. That really, to me, became an embodiment of that three-month break I took from work. And when I got back to work, I just, my whole outlook on work-life balance shifted quite a bit. So I just wanted to mention that because I think there's this fear of if we stop going, um, everything's going to collapse. And um, that wasn't the case for me. So that was really powerful. Our stories are what are important for us to learn. And I think, as you were saying, I think if we feel like if we're not productive, it will all fall apart. I think there's also a fear of if we're not productive, we'll miss our chance. And I think, you know, that's a scarcity mindset, which I've learned a lot about that. I feel like I sort of grew up with as a performer that I thought, you know, there's 
oh, if I don't get this job, I'll never work again. And it's like, no, you'll just work somewhere else. Um, or you'll do something else in the meantime, or you'll figure out what else you're good at. Because we all sort of think too, we have like one skill. And I think when we are pushed in a different way and push sounds like such a word I don't want to use. I think when we have to make changes, we realize we have other skills, right? Or we can build upon things to get to, to find a new avenue. So how do we rest? It might look like a three-month sabbatical, which is amazing. And I'm just so glad that you gave yourself permission to do that. Erin, I also know that both of us have talked about the fact that there's just no right equation to rest, guys. We have to evaluate our capacity, our personalities. What's restful to Erin and I, both of us really love yoga and long walks. That might not be restful for you at all. I also think that, I don't know if this is the right place to talk about it, but I'll go ahead and go into this story now. For me, I felt like that time I was talking about with you guys from September, 2019, kind of to now felt like I was on a forced sabbatical. I didn't really feel like pausing all the things that I had going on, but I think especially for women, if we're pregnant, that is a forced sabbatical time. Like we don't always talk about, I think we're getting better as a society about talking about the fact that like for three months, you may be laid out with uh, morning sickness, or that might continue your whole pregnancy. Or you may have like what I had a blood clot where I couldn't move the way that I used to, because that would have been harmful to me and the baby. So I really had to restrict what I was doing. And I really found that I had to rest in the stillness of God last year. I had a a prayer that I would repeat over and over again. I know I've shared this on like a personal episode before, but I said, he is sovereign. I am safe. He protects and provides. And I had a bracelet that I would wear. And when I would start to feel anxious, I would move that on my wrist and say that prayer and just say like, the season is not going to be forever. At some point, I'm going to find the other things that light me up. So I feel like if we have a greater awareness of our own personalities and selves and what does us good, that can help with our resting process. I also think both you and I know that we just have to try things sometimes. Erin, what are some other ideas that we have kind of around rest and what people can do? Absolutely. So some of these are things that you're going to need to ask for help in order to make them happen. And others are things that you can probably integrate into your day-to-day. It just depends on what fits best for you. And as Lindsay said, I think it's really about experimenting and finding what brings you that peace of mind and inner stillness that we've been talking about. Maybe you can't take a three-month sabbatical. That was a wonderful (laughs) perk of my job that I just wish everyone got one, just baseline. But maybe you can take a weekend away for yourself and not have any like goals attached to it, you could, or it could just be to enjoy just being on your own. Maybe you went on a weekend with girlfriends. I know this is still, we're in a time where travel is challenging. So you would have to do it in a way that was safe, but it's an option. Like a VRBO could be something fun, um, just you or with some girlfriends um, with mask and you take your tests and all those things are just a day away for you in a hotel room with room service and watching whatever you wanna watch and not being on a a schedule, anyone else's schedule. Um, Going to, if you just need an hour, going to your car, if the weather permits where you live. Um, Maybe just for me, one of my favorite things to do, and this is really a practice that I picked up during the pandemic, and Lindsay already mentioned it, but just a long walk by myself. I actually feel like for me as a person of faith, it can become a form of prayer. The longer I walk and just kind of 
you kind of silence some of the the voices that are around you through various uh, mediums and it's just you on the path and it's just really really beautiful and starting to notice the world around you or for me at least also just making time to meditate uh, a breathing practice close eyes open eyes really just focusing on your breathing and clearing your mind I mentioned prayer and walking but also just prayer in general um, whatever format that looks for you and some people praying is just a simple talking to God but some people it might be journaling your thoughts or just journaling in general whether or not you have a faith you're a person of faith just journaling your thoughts spilling um, whatever is going on in your head onto the page and not journaling with an agenda but just kind of getting the words out. Lindsay mentioned reading alone or with a book club. And I think any point, all different forms of physical activity, um, even the high intensity workouts for some people that can be really powerful. Um, I'm a huge fan of yoga. I just, I would prescribe yoga to everyone in the world. <laughs> um, I just think it's so wonderful. Um, there's some wonderful practices yoga with Adrian does where they're all beginner friendly, maybe like 20 minutes long. Um, I did her winter challenge this year. It was wonderful. I highly recommend it to everyone. So those are just some things that I, I some ideas for rest, but there may be some things for you like watercolor painting or who, who knows you come up with your, re- your rest list. Yeah. And, and try different that things, time. right? Try different yes. things. I know for me this year, it's crazy because I don't consider myself a big TV person. My husband is, it loves to watch movies. So a lot of times when we're resting together, having a date night, he's picking a movie he wants to watch. And then not that I endure it, but I'm kind of like, it's not my favorite form. We also play cards together and that's very restful for us because we talk and play cards. I did learn to shuffle in 2020, which was a huge thing he's wanted me to do for like 12 years of our marriage. And I finally know how to shuffle cards, but I also want to mention because of the movie thing, um, I watched a lot more TV in 2020 than I ever have before. And if that's something that feels restful for you guys right now, that is okay. I have several series that I have just like utterly delighted in and looked forward to it all day of that moment where I could just sit with my blankie and my cup of tea and like have an hour with Netflix. Um, I think the danger of that sometimes is that we can use it as escapism rather than the rest, right? Like I'll give you my ugly side of that is Like when I was nursing the baby or feeding the baby, then I'm like trying to also squeeze in a show and then getting mad if my daughter comes in and talks to me while I'm trying to watch the show. And it's like, that's maybe not the time to watch the TV, save it for when you can rest. I also want to discuss with you guys that'll kind of lead us into this area that Aaron and I want to discuss with you on non-performative rest is I used to write in my downtime as a restful practice and when, and then writing became my job, which I'm very fortunate to have cultivated this new career for myself. I'm beyond grateful that I have the time and capacity to, to do that. However, when Aaron and I talked this year and I was, I was like, well, what do you do in your rest time? And I was like, well, do you write? And she was like, no, I mean, she was like, sometimes I journal, but I don't like work on an essay. And I was like, what? It just totally blew my mind. And Aaron, you telling me that gave me such freedom to sit down and not try to do something with that time, like not try to be productive with my rest time and get to another essay. I mean, maybe someday I want to do that, but right now that's not what my season looks like. I really want to sit down and watch Netflix or I want to yoga or I want to do something that's a way from that kind of work. And that also made me think of 
performative rest. Our rest doesn't always have to be outward facing. What does it mean to do something just for us and not share it publicly? I've really worked on this. Erin and I both take social media sabbaticals every year. We take time off from social media. As I came back on this year, I went for a walk this morning before we got on this call. And I really wanted to take a picture of the hike I was on. And then I stopped myself and I was like, am I taking the picture for myself or am I taking it because I want to share it on Instagram? And I wanted to share it on Instagram. And there's not a problem with that, but it also was going to interrupt the time that I was trying to spend out in nature by myself resetting. So let's look at this before we head off for these guys today. What does non-performative rest look like and how do we give ourselves permission or be aware that we're doing it? What do you think, Erin? Yeah, I want to just echo what you said, Lindsay, which is that social media has such a big influence in our culture right now. There sometimes is this pressure to share about our lives, highlight reels on Instagram or what have you. Facebook, you know, you, you choose the channel. If we take a trip or even engage in something that is restful to us that we want to share, say a, um, a spa treatment or your hike, Lindsay, um, we may feel like we have to post about it. And we want to, I mean, there's this, you know, this instinct to be um, in community with others, right? And connect. So there's nothing wrong with that instinct. But the problem with doing that is that social media apps, they just mess with your brain. I don't know if any of you have seen The Social Dilemma. That documentary goes into the psychology of some of the, I would highly recommend it to anyone. It goes into the psychology of the social media apps. So you'll post something that's restful for you, say you do that, but then a small part of your mind is working in the background, thinking about how your content performed because the way these apps are designed, you might get a like or a number of views on however you posted that content, which I hesitate to use that, but you're going to have some sort of report on what you shared. And so your mind is thinking about that and working on that. And you're wanting to go check your phone and seeing every time you see a like or something else, you might get a hit of dopamine. And so then it kind of takes, it distracts your attention. Your attention is now divided. And so for me, this actually prohibits rest. So I don't recommend doing that. I think it actually, it just creates a little bit more noise in our mind when we can, uh, when we make that choice. It doesn't mean it's a bad choice. I don't want to shame anyone for it, but it can prohibit rest. It can create this kind of cacophony um, in your head going on with all the other voices. My approach to social media is to use it mindfully. So I, I do that by, as Lindsay said, um, taking some time to fast from social media in regular periods of time. So similar to someone might fast from something during the season of Lent, let's say you're not eating meat on Fridays or whatnot. No, I, I, and I do other forms of media as well, if I'm able to, depending on like what's going on with my job or just the, in the world and I want to be informed. If there's a time where I can get off email or my news or just kind of break the um, tether from my smartphone, I will just try and take a chunk of time and fast from that completely. And what that does is kind of, it creates the stillness of mind that you might get in a meditation set, session, but for a longer period of time. And it, it is amazing just what that does for your attention. And then I think it helps quiet anxiety. There's just so many pressures going on. So um, true rest in my eyes involves removing this pressure to perform that we sometimes feel to present an ideal image of myself or just a report on my days, your days. I really enjoy taking regular breaks from social media. So I just, I like to use it mindfully because I think this constant output is really draining. And, you know, years ago, people didn't live like this, right? There are some really great things that come out of social media. 
but I think it can really distract us from what's right in front of us. And I think rent, rest is really a return to presence, true presence and mindfulness. That's all I've got. <laughs> I know. I love that, Erin. And I feel like you unpacked that so well for us. And I have felt after I took a month off this time, I've taken social media breaks before that when I came back, I kind of just fell into the same habits. And this time I'm really trying to come back with a different kind of wisdom and a different kind of permission to give myself to say like, what can I give here? What am I taking away from it? And like last night, you know, there's that tendency to be like, oh, I posted something yesterday. So before I go to bed, I'm going to check it again. I'm going to look at everything again. And it takes great control that I am working on cultivating for myself to not look at it. Uh, and I didn't last night. And, but I'm telling you that because it's really hard for me not to look at it before I go to bed, but I had committed to like laying in bed and reading a book. And then that's how I was ending the day. And I think the more steps we can take to be aware of how we're interacting with it and how it's making us feel. And, you know, are we the people that we're showing up to be, uh, that's, what's very important to me as well. So I hope you guys know that the rest that you give yourself, it's going to give back to the others around you. All of us are juggling a million different things. We're wearing so many hats right now, and we want to show up for those people that we love and for ourselves. Well, uh, I know that before we go today, both of us have some book recommendations we want to share with you guys so that you have something that you can delve into this even deeper. One of mine is called Rhythms of Rest written by Shelly Miller. I felt like it is just, she really breaks down this whole framework of why we can't rest. And she works to create a weekly Sabbath in the book. And I think it gave me the freedom to know like Sabbath doesn't always have to be Sunday. It can be, but it could also be, especially if you're involved with a church though, sometimes Sunday is not a restful day at all. It's like a working day. Um, so what does it look like to create a day for yourself and your family? And then I'm inspired to try to start these habits so that my child can walk away. My children now can walk away with those habits so that they don't just see me constantly spinning my wheels. Um, Aaron, I know you have a couple other books you want to share with us. What are those? Yes, I would recommend, I mentioned the poet, Mary Oliver. She has a poetry anthology devotions and it includes um, some of her more well-known poems and some other ones and I think that reading poetry for me can be very restful and an act of mindfulness you don't need to understand poetry poetry is just there for you to feel with the poet and so um, I would highly encourage that book because I think it's really accessible poetry and it just is very restful to read and it'll probably inspire you to hop out into nature because Mary Oliver um, has a deep love for um, God's creation. And then the other book I would recommend is a book of essays by a writer named Shauna Nyquist. I love this book because it's really about this woman's journey from overwork to slowing down and cultivating attention to what's right in front of her. Um, she's a mom as well. And I just, this is, I love her writing and this is one of her most powerful books for me. It really shifted the way I think about to be present in my life um, versus trying to, we talked about the pressure to perform on social media, but I think that women in general have pressure to perform overall in their life and meet certain, you know, Lindsay, you talked about this as well, you know, cross all the items off the list, right? Do all the things for others. And so this is really getting at slowing down and culling away things from the ever-growing to-do list and people-pleasing and um, approaching life from a more, more mindful standpoint. So present over perfect is that book recommendation. Excellent. Thank you for sharing those with us. 
Now, this is the Choosing Brave podcast. So and this is the last question I'm going to ask you today. But why do you think that taking rest is brave? So I think when we rest, we're ignoring the cultural cues that we receive as women that we shouldn't or cannot stop working. So we're pushing back against this whole hustle culture. And I think the stillness that comes from rest can be kind of scary if we haven't rested in a while, but it is so necessary to living a rich, fulfilling life. I'd also like to say, you know, our value as women isn't wrapped up in what or how much we produce, but it's very easy to forget that. And then as a person of faith, you know, I think we can lean on grace to embrace rest with a grateful heart. But in, but for all, you know, I think of the adage, you can't pour from an empty cup. And we may have mentioned that earlier in this conversation. So rest is this pause that we take when we stop pouring out for others and fill up our own cup. And I think it's essential. So I want to say to listeners, you know, rest is waiting for you. You don't need to earn it today that you are worthy of rest right now in this present moment. And I know that it's hard to ask for help uh, to take that rest. So I highly encourage you to do it. Um, so that you can lead a more rich, fulfilling life. And you've just made me feel like crying. Thank you, Erin. That was really good. I think I'm just still really working on that not needing to earn it part. So I hope whoever is listening today, you can breathe into that and that we are cheering you on for rest. Now, Erin, how can we connect and encourage you? Tell us all the places we can find you. Well, listeners, I'd love to connect with you and you can find me on my blog. It's erinstry.com, E-R-I-N-S-T-R-Y.com, where I write about motherhood, faith, marriage, and life. And I'm on Instagram at Erin Strivis. I'd love for you to stop by and say hello, and you can find links to my newsletter and my link tree on Instagram. And um, I'm so excited to be here with you. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Erin.